Well, good morning. If you got your Bibles, open them up. We're going to look at John chapter 14 in the scriptures this morning. Then we're going to head over to Acts chapter 3. Just want to look at some things from the Word of God this morning and uh, share with you some things that God has impressed upon my life lately. Welcome to Castleview Baptist Church. And I'm so excited to be here. This is my very first time being here. My wife was here probably about four or five years ago. Uh, we were traveling through. I had to get to Vegas and then get back. And and uh, she was here with our kids. And I said, you got to go see the Castleview Baptist Church. And what exciting thing this is to see God's work. It was about seven or eight years ago when uh, Tate and Debbie were in Las Vegas just sharing their burden about this. And I can't tell you how exciting it is to see what God's doing here in Castle Rock, California, uh, Colorado. I'm glad it's not California because I don't know where that is. And their just love for people and their their desire to see this community reach with the gospel. And I got to tell you something. Sometimes you don't know this, but I got to tell you something that is that is just true. There is in our country, I believe, a great awakening of God's people to re, uh, and revival to spiritual truths. And I believe that God's doing something profound in our country today. And the profound work of Almighty God is not through some politician making America great again. And it's not coming through a, a, a return to constitutional values. or uh, uh, it's, And it's not going to be brain surgery that fixes this country. The thing that's going to fix this country is God's people returning to the principles of God's word and living in community of the local church. And I just got to tell you something. You might not know this, but this church is known around the country. There are people all around this country who view this church as a model of what God can do in church plant and church work. There's several different types of church plants. But when the Throntons came here with a burden uh, from Almighty God, armed with not a whole lot of support, but the Word of God, the Scriptures, and the Holy Spirit, they were plowing into new ground here in Castle, uh, Castle Rock. And there are churches all around this country. And you might not know about them because you don't run in preacher circles kind of like I do. But there are churches all over this country that say, if it can happen in Castle Rock, Colorado, it can happen in Oregon and in California and in New Mexico and throughout Arizona. And there are churches all over this country that view your pastor, and I don't mean to be inappropriate, but view him as a hero. Look at him as a leader of a church planning movement. I'm of the opinion that America needs more churches, not less. Would you agree with me? And I believe that the work of God done through his church. You know, Jesus said this in Matthew 16 and verse number 18. He says, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The community of the local church is the most powerful institution on the face of earth. And you being here this morning, it's not let's just go do our little church thing. It's not let's let's go fulfill a commitment. If not, I'm going to get a postcard or a phone call later in the work you, a week. You are you are part of something that is big. You are part of something that is huge. Last night, millions of people watched a few men vying for the most powerful position in the United States. But more powerful than that office is the throne room of Almighty God who has ordained the institution of the local church to show His power and demonstrate His work in our generation. And I think you guys are doing a great job. 
I love it. I love the transition. You know, being in a, a church plant like this, sometimes you feel like, well, you know, we're kind of, we're just starting and we're in a rented facility and we've been here for a while. And, you know, when's God going to open up the door and what's God? I just want you to know God will do it. And I don't know when he's going to do it. And I don't know how he's going to do it. But I've seen him do it. I grew up in a church plant just like this one. And I've seen God do amazing things that, that would dumbfound you if I were, and take the remainder of our time together if I were to tell you the stories of how God works through his people following the scriptures. And I just want you to know, I'm so thankful for this place. I love your pastor. And I love his wife and their boys are okay. And uh, I know what it's like to be a pastor's kids, too. So I know that they are just okay if they're pastor's kids. But they're, uh, I'm looking forward to spending some more time with them and getting to know you wonderful people. You know, Jesus said some amazing things in Scripture, didn't he? He said some things that had Jesus not said them, I don't know that I would believe them. I, said, I, I shared one of those in the Sunday school hour with the gentleman. And I want to share with you another thing today that Jesus said that if Jesus hadn't said it, no way, Jose, I'm going to believe it. The Bible says in John chapter 14 and verse number 12, are you there? In John 14 and verse number 12, Jesus says, verily, verily. Now, that's an awkward thing for Jesus to say because he's saying, I'm telling you the truth. I promise, I promise. <laughs> Cross my heart, hope to die kind of thing is what he's saying here. Verily, verily. I'm telling you the truth. I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I shall do, that, that I do, shall he do also. And this is the part that just dumbfounds me. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. Huh? Jesus says... The person that believes on me is going to do the same type of works I do. Oh, and greater works than these because I'm going to my Father. Now think about the great works that Jesus did. When Jesus was born, the hearted, heralded angels sang. There was a chorus of angels that littered the sky and woke, spoke to shepherds and said, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now, my parents were happy when I was, married, when I was born, but there was no choir of angels that sang. When Jesus, when Jesus grew into adulthood, the very first thing he did was turn water into wine. That's pretty impressive. Jesus one day was walking through a street and he said, uh, uh, Zacchaeus, this was before drones. Zacchaeus was spying on him from above. He said, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today. And this wicked, evil man became a follower of Jesus Christ. There was one day, and this is amazing. There was one day when Jesus came up to a funeral and one of his dearest friends had died. And that friend's brother, or that friend's sister, comes up to him and says, Lord, Lord, had you been here, he would not have died. The Bible tells us that overcome with her grief, Jesus wept. He calls to some of the men who are by, and he says, roll the stone away. Mary says, Lord, Lord, don't do that. For It's been four days now. He stinketh. 
He's like a rotting... That's nasty, dude. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> you don't roll the stone away. Roll the stone away. And Jesus calls out, Lazarus, come forth. And the dead, decaying body of his friend is renewed with life. The, the decay and bacteria and corruption of death that had encompassed his body fled away. And he moves himself up and he begins to hop out because he's in his grave clothes and the man came back to life. Whew! Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I shall do, that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. That's hard for me to believe. Is it hard for you to believe? But Jesus said it. And Jesus wasn't in the business of lying. The Bible says he's the way, the truth, and the life. No man would come unto the Father, but but by him, Jesus never spoke a lie, but he says that greater things than these would he that that believed on him do. Hmm. Take your Bibles and go over to Acts chapter 3 as we see the fulfillment of that prophecy come to pass. The Bible tells us that Jesus would go away. He returned unto his father. He has a work in heaven, and the Bible tells us that he would establish, he would leave here what we refer to as the local church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27, the Bible says, Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. See, Jesus is not here on this earth in his physical form. The the body that had the nails put in it, and the the body that had the crown of thorns uh, uh, beat into his brow, that body is no longer here on this earth. The Bible says in John chapter 14, Let not your hearts be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many what? If it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. If you're a child of God this morning, say amen. Amen. Did you say it? That's my amen corner right over there. Let me hear it. Say it. There you go. Good. I got one of three. We're working on two of three next. Yeah, that's exactly right. If you're a child of God, you should say amen because you've been saved. Not because you're a Baptist or because you try hard or you work really good. You're saved because there was a time in your life when you recognized your sin damned you to hell. But Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, suffered and died on a cross to pay for your sins, was buried. Three days later, rose from the dead, proving that he was God and that everything he said was true. And as Romans chapter 10, 9 says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation comes through accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. And the Bible tells us that if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, Jesus is in heaven today preparing you a mansion. Well, hot diggity dog, that sounds all right. But he's not here on this earth. 
The Bible tells us that he left a representative. He left his body in the form of his church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 says, You are the members of the body of Christ. What a huge responsibility. See, the body, the church of God is the body of Christ. And if the work of God is going to be accomplished, it's going to be accomplished through you. How many of you had a godly grandma? Say, I did. Not a strong Christian heritage here. Great, good. My godly grandma, we would go to her house almost every Saturday afternoon and watch the wide world of sports bowling and eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. During the 1990s, whenever we had a, we had a president whose spouse is running for the same office today was in office and all of the affairs and scandals that were going on in his office, from time to time, my godly grandma, bless her, would watch the news and my grandma would say, it's a good thing I'm not God. And I heard her say this more than one occasion. If I were God, I would just zap them. <laughs> there were a couple times when my brothers and sisters over there, that she probably felt like zapping us too. <laughs> if I were God, I would just zap them. And sometimes we think, you know, God, how come, God, how come there's a murder rate over there? How come there's so much crime? And God, why aren't you doing something about that? And the reality of Scripture is that God is doing something about that through you. God left you to stop crying. God left you to repair marriages. God left you to feed feed homeless people. God left you to be the light Because he's in heaven. God left you to share the hope of eternity. That there is only one way to heaven. But Jesus, his manner is not to put a cross in the sky and say, for God so loved the world. His manner is to use you to go to your co-worker and say, you know, Jesus loves you and so do I. And you don't have to go to hell. Because there's a God who loves you and died to pay for your sin. I haven't even gotten over to Acts chapter 3. The Bible says this. And verse number 1. Now Peter and John went up together in the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed to them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. What? Greater things than these shall he do. Peter and John are the body of Christ. They are the church of Almighty God working in their day. Now, this is what's interesting. As the community of the church in that day, they had, why do they not have silver and gold? Any silver and gold they had given in the faith promise offering of Acts chapter 2. Do you ever feel this? 
Do you ever feel this? You know, I would be able to do so much more, but I give. I tithe. Look at them. Wow, that's a really nice car. I could have a really nice car too, except I tithe. You know, we've, you know I, I, the hot water heater exploded this past week, and I would be able to get a new hot water heater without putting it on the MasterCard, except that I tithe. Not only do I tithe, I give to Faith Promise Missions. Because souls are more important to me than lattes. They always walk into church with a Starbucks in their hand. I would enjoy a white chocolate mocha as well. But I love souls. That's where, that's where Peter and John could have been. How come they have no silver and gold? Well, they're Baptist preachers, for first of all. But second of all, they had just given everything. The Bible says they had given all things common in Acts chapter 2. And so the, the need is not going to be something that can be resourced out of themselves. The, but the Christians that are the church, the God, God's body on earth, the Christians offer God's blessing. You see, you, there's no amount of money that's ever going to fix a problem. We've got, we've got four, three, four trillion dollars worth of American uh, gross national product that we turn over year after year after year. And yet poverty is at the same levels as it was in the back 1960s when we declared war on poverty. Crime has not gotten better, it's gotten worse. And the types of crimes seem to be more egregious. And we look at the world and we say, we realize that you cannot throw money at a problem and fix the problem. And this lame man who was stuck there, lame from his birth, the Bible tells us, this lame man who had day in and day out without hope, sat and said, give me, give me some money. You got some spare change, brother. And he wasn't a charlatan or a fraud. He wasn't just faking things out and going home and doing his eBay business at home. He was completely dependent upon the generosity of other people. He was lame. And yet, these people could not meet his physical need. They had nothing to give him. But I want you to see this. They had everything to give him. Because the power of God working through his body, his church members in this person's life would bring an incredible blessing. Look on me, Peter and John say. And they look steadfastly upon him. Notice what the Bible tells us. Oh, this is good. And uh, the Bible says in verse number six, then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, do you remember how long had this man been lame? Was it a few weeks? Was it a few years? From birth, this guy had been lame. He had never taken a step. When the people his same age were toddling around, he was laying on the ground. He was lame from his birth. But Peter says to him, take up your bed and walk. This is something that was impossible. And this was something that he had never done before. I want you to understand something, church. When God calls you to do the miraculous, many times it's going to be something that is impossible and it's going to be something that you have never done before. Don't you like being comfortable? I do. I like having three or four pillows when I go to bed. Don't you? Put one here, put one here, put one there. Ah. I like to be comfortable. 
tomorrow I'm getting on an airplane and I'm thankful that I get to go on an airplane. But one thing I don't like getting about on an airplane is because I very rarely fly first class. In fact, once in my lifetime I've flown first class and it was a mistake. You get on an airplane and you say, Hey there, how you doing? Hey, you doing all right? Good. Aren't you glad you use dial? <laughs> Don't you wish everybody did? You been there? We don't like to be comfortable and you get off that airplane, you're just like, oh, because I like to be comfortable. And sometimes in our Christian lives, we like to get comfortable. We, we read our Bible. We, we pray. But to do something that we've never done before. Uh, oh, pastor, glad you went to college for that. Oh, oh, oh uh, yeah, Th- those people, they know, they, they, they're good at that. But that's just not what God's called me to do. I would challenge you that God's called you to do something you've never done before. To do something that is absolutely impossible. Take up your bed and walk. The lame man doesn't sit back and say, what you talking about, Willis? He doesn't say that. The lame man immediately grabs his stuff, stands up. The Bible says in the following verses that strength comes to his ankle bones. And God supernaturally empowers this guy to do something he's never done before. Wouldn't you like to be involved with something that you've never done before? Something that is world-changing? You won't if you're just sitting back and doing your comfortable thing. Sunday morning, let's go to church. Hello, Pastor. God bless you. Hello, but yes, we will we will increase our giving this year by one percent. Hey, praise God for that. I'm and I'm all for that. But sometimes it's really good to just do something that we've never done this before. And this is like a real step of faith. Not my comfortable Christianity step of faith. But this is a real step of faith. Two years ago, two police officers walked into my office. I was meeting with our Spanish ministry director. His name was Rodolfo. And my secretary came in. Her name's April. I said, Pastor Matt, there's two policemen out here to see you. And I don't know about you, but my first thought was, what did I do? <laughs> and I said, oh, okay, just a second. I wrapped things up with Rodolfo. And uh, Josh and Dustin, the police officers, came in, and they were in full uniform, tasers, guns. And I said, well, hello, gentlemen. You know where you try to act confident? (laughs) Hello, gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) What can I do for you today? They said, could could we sit? Uh, Yes, of course. Welcome. They said, Josh said to me, he said, said, "Um, two blocks east from here, is the most violent area in the entire city of Las Vegas. Now, I didn't know that. And that's got to be pretty bad. I mean, the most violent area of Castle Rock is like somebody stole French fries from the McDonald's down there, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But the nickname for my city, do you know the nickname for my city? You've heard of it. 
My city is Sin City. And the most violent area in, what's the name of my city? It's two blocks east of my church. We didn't put that in on any of our tracks or promotional flyers. <laughs> Come visit Liberty Baptist, just two blocks east of the most violent area. It didn't help Christian school enrollment. It just, just something we did. They said, we have done, Josh and Dustin said, we have done everything we know how to to fix that area, and we can't do it. And so we thought, let's go ask the church for their help. And I said, well, I'm glad you did. What can we do? And they said, you know, maybe we could do this. Maybe we could do like a, a, a barbecue. You think we could do a barbecue and maybe have some games and stuff for the kids? I said, whatever you need, we'll do it. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 41, if you're compelled with them to go one mile, go with them twain. And so our, our adherence to the word of God said, if we're asked to do this, we're going to do this. And so it was around Easter time two years ago that we went out there and there was music and there was, there was the police presence, but we set up a whole carnival. And on that day in the most violent area of the entire city of Las Vegas, little kids who never played out in the streets came out and they played Dunk the Clown and uh, uh, do the little ducky games and all these little carnival games and they were going away with prizes. We gave away a Nintendo DS that day and it was just a home run. Little did I know that, but God was working on some of the city leaders to do something about that. In October of that year, they were having a huge nonprofit event where they were honoring all the great nonprofits who were making a difference in our city. And one of the police lieutenants, a fellow by the name of John, stood up and said, you know, we're doing all this stuff and we're talking about how great we are. We're talky, talky, talky. Let's do something and let's get all these nonprofits together and let's do something great. And they met together and one of the nonprofits showed up. And they were going to try to change that community. The next event, Josh said, you should invite Liberty Baptist to come. Liberty Baptist came to the next event. And over the series of, over the next two years, we did a series of six different events. At Christmas time, we had a Christmas party. The following Easter, we put on an Easter block party. We shut down the entire Lake Mead Boulevard. And we took a, a, a two-block a, a two parade and we drove all the way through that community. 250 to 300 people came out of those apartments. And we gave them Easter baskets and our choir sang. There were celebrities that came that day and notable figures of the city. And we had, we had a play demonstrating the life of John, the Apostle John. The police captain was talking to me about it. He says, yeah, I got the mayor coming. I think I've got Channel 5 coming and Channel 8 will be here. And then about that time, the fellow who was playing the Apostle John walked by. And he said, who's that? And I said, Captain, you got Channel 5 coming, but I got the Apostle John here today. <laughs> and we shared the gospel. That day at the end of the gospel, a chorus of people cried out and accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Over... over over those two years event, I remember the very first time I was there. I drove, I, I drove up into the community, and as I drove up into the community, there was a group of kids who were out playing football, about six of them, older teenagers. And these teenagers were playing football, and I said to them, Hey, guys, what are you doing? And the leader of the pack said, We are playing football, sir. 
I said, that, that sounds really good. I said, do you play for one of the, the high schools? I play for Western High School. I play football for them, sir. I said, oh, that, I, I realized that I was being made fun of. <laughs> Took me about three sentences, but I got it. <laughs> I said, well, are you guys tired? Would you like me to buy you some Gatorade? Ooh, that would be very kind of you, sir. I would like red Gatorade, and my friend would like blue Gatorade. I said, all right, I'll go get you some Gatorades. And I went to the store, and I got the Gatorades, took out my phone, and I typed in the roster for Western football. And I looked at what the name of the coach was. Never met him before, Coach Smith. And then I looked at who the starting quarterback was, Tariq. <laughs> Tariq. I went back. And I said, here you guys go. Oh, thank you. That was very nice of you, sir, for the red and blue Gatorade. I said, how's Coach Smith doing? You know Coach Smith? Who doesn't know Coach Smith? <laughs> and I said, has, uh, has Tariq been okay? How's he been doing in his season? You know Tariq? Everybody knows Tariq. <laughs> and they started talking to me like a normal human being. Over the period of a year and a half, that community completely transformed. If you were to ask the police department what happened, they would say, Liberty Baptist Church got involved in that community. We were interviewed by all of the local news affiliates. We were on national TV. Glenn Beck interviewed us and showed it all over the Blaze television, radio. You know, the world was, everything else on the Blaze was blazing fire and going someplace but zombie apocalypse. But at least in Las Vegas, there was a pocket of good things that were happening. Crime went down 75% in that community. And there hasn't been a murder in that community for the last year and a half. God intervened through his church. And I want you to know this. Castleview Baptist Church has the power and anointing of Almighty God upon it as well. But do you know how hard of a sell it is to say to people, hey, this weekend's activity for the church, we're going to go to the most violent area in the city and we're just going to love people. That's a hard sell to good Christian people. It's a hard sell to say, yeah, bring your entire families. We're all going to wear these blue shirts that say we have a heart for service. That's a hard sell. But you know what's not a hard sell is when you see 200 Christian families just out there loving on people. And little kids who don't have shoes running around on the streets being loved and given an Easter basket. And at Christmas time, getting perhaps their only Christmas, pre- getting their only Christmas present. A basketball walking away and saying, I got a basketball. Or I got a football. And little girls walking away with dolls who wouldn't have gotten anything. Because the body of Christ was showing love. And God's blessings are being poured out upon a community. Oh, God wants to do that here. And I want you to see not only were God's blessings, but they become, this lame man becomes a champion of a great business. The Bible tells us in verse number eight, and he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. The whole temple is, what happened over here? Because the church of God as the body of Christ goes to work. 
The Christians offer God's blessing. I can't give you any money, but I can tell you about Jesus. And that lame man becomes a champion of God's business. You remember I told you about that snotty-nosed kid who was making fun of me? Six weeks ago, he came to church. It was right at Christmas time. He came to church, and he said, Hey, Pastor Matt, could I meet with you? And I said, Yeah, why don't you come by my office on Tuesday? Oops, excuse me. I said, Why don't you come by my office on Tuesday? And he brought his buddy with him, Trayvon. His name was Malik. And Malik and Trayvon came into my office. And I said, Malik, what are you coming here for? I said, Malik, you made fun of me the very first time I came to your house. And he said, Yeah, Pastor Matt, I know. And I said, you remember when I bought you that red Gatorade? Yeah, I'm sorry, Pastor Matt. I said, what in the world are you doing here in my office? He said, Pastor Matt, the other day I was looking through my phone and I was looking at pictures. He said, as I was looking at pictures, I saw a picture of myself with members from the University of Nevada, Las Vegas football team. And then I saw a picture of me with a police officer. And it wasn't the same kind of pictures that my friends take with police officers. And he said, then I saw a picture of you. And he said this. He said, Pastor Matt, I don't want to be like the other people of my neighborhood. And he said, I realize that that's going to happen. I need to be around this church. I said, Malik, the greatest change in your life is not going to come through coming to this church. It's by you accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. And about 10, 15 minutes later, Malik bowed his head. And he asked Jesus Christ to be his savior. Hey, clap for that. That's all right. That's good stuff right there. You can, you can praise the Lord on that. It's okay. You know what happens? That guy's a champion for our church. He brought his friend. His friend Trayvon trusted Christ as a savior. That guy's my friend. Anytime I see him, Pastor Matt! What's up, Pastor Matt? He became a champion of a great business, the work of Almighty God. Can I tell you this? That the work of God in Castleview is not going to come through God sending a lightning bolt. The work of God in Castle Rock, California, uh, Colorado, <laughs> maybe in California it will work too. The work of God in Castle Rock, Colorado is going to come through you. You partnering with this man, this man partnering with you, Become the body of Christ and greater things than these. Is it a promise from God? I believe so. Greater things than these can happen through you. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, the Bible says. You are the one who's going to do the work of God here on this earth. In Castleview Baptist Church, I encourage you, do greater things than these.